Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today is segment number two on Ananias, an ordinary believer, a man that so affected Saul who became Paul that he mentioned it later on again in his epistles, yet we never hear from Ananias again. But man, I plan on running over to meet him when I get to heaven, an ordinary believer that set a standard for you and me. Join me today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bobby Andy and glad to have you here today. I began something yesterday that I want to complete today and we're talking about Ananias from chapter 9 of the book of Acts and we would often probably call him an ordinary believer. He's only mentioned one time. Although he so impressed Saul that Saul mentioned him on a couple of other occasions, but we never hear from Ananias after that. Ananias was the ordinary believer that God used to turn Saul's life around whenever Saul first met the Lord. In other words, when Saul was knocked off that horse, ended up on the ground, in the, in there, in the light of what God was saying to him, when he awoke and finally again got to someplace, the first person that met him was Ananias. Ananias was just a believer. We're not told he had any position of apostle, prophet, evangelist, but you know what? What we talked about yesterday was he was not an ordinary believer. We call ourselves ordinary. God never calls us ordinary. And I believe why his story is recorded in the book of Acts is the book of Acts is not a book on extraordinary believers such as Paul and John and others. It's also on those we would consider ordinary believers because the book of Acts was written to everybody and they all went out and preached. They laid hands on the sick. They saw them recover, fulfilling the great commission at the end of the book of Mark, at the end of the book of Matthew. And they took the great commission, preached it in all the world, laid hands on the sick, led them into the Holy Spirit, and then made disciples out of them. And this was not the apostles and prophets and missionaries and all those sent out. This was the average believer. Paul would go to a place, start a church. And then those people took over from there. He just simply showed them what to do, taught them what to do, and they went and did it. And the churches began to flourish everywhere. What we left off with yesterday was the fact that the reason why God sent Ananias to Saul was so Saul couldn't from the very beginning think he had some special place with God. Because oftentimes when we come into a church, I remember one time Johnny Rivers, this is a story I heard about Johnny Rivers, who's still alive last I heard, and did a lot of rock and roll stuff in his day, came and got saved in a church in California, honestly gave his life to Jesus and came down to the front, received Jesus. And then after a few weeks came and met the pastor and said to him, thinking, you know, do you know who I am? And he said to him, he said, uh, sir, he said, my name is Johnny Rivers. He said, well, fine. And the pastor gave me his name. He said, do you know who I am? And the pastor looked at him and said, I guess you're a Christian. It so offended him. It so offended him. They said he left the church and went and joined another church and had a lot more people in it that were, you know, musicians and others and stuff and joined them. But the point of it was, I don't know if that's a true story. I'm telling you this. So if you know Johnny Rivers, again, you know, I don't care, but I liked his music. But anyway, the point of it was, is that oftentimes we think because somehow we have a great past before we're born again, we have do wonderful things. People ought to respect that and look at us and say, do you know who got saved in our church? Uh, I guess a sinner. Well, you know who they were? Well, I guess now they're a Christian. I mean, that's the whole point. That's how it's seen in heaven. God doesn't see you as special so-and-so and then unspecial so-and-so. And then you get born again. Now there's special hierarchy, you know, the apostles, prophets, evangelists. Yeah, there's those full-time ministries, but all of us are called a full-time ministry. Whether your full-time ministry is working behind a counter or working behind a desk, 
or working with groceries and working in Walmart or in a big corporation. It really doesn't matter where you are. That is your full-time ministry. There's no such thing as a part-time minister. A man's position and power before he's born again, again, is of no value to the Lord. God will spend a lot of time sweating out the background and the pride of Saul in these verses as he does with you, as he did with Moses or anybody. Again, I ended with this point yesterday, and that is when when Saul gave his life to the Lord, he spent a lot of time on basically the backside of the wilderness. Even said he went to a cave in Arabia and the Lord, and for some 14 years he was there and God spoke to him. He said that it was many years after that that I was known by face at the churches of Judea. Most ministers who get saved or people get saved, the first thing they want to do is go to some important church and the pastor know you, recognize you, you introduce yourself to him. And that what this verse is saying is that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so Saul went to the backside of the wilderness and he was the second graduate of the backside of the wilderness. The first one was Moses. Moses spent 40 years having Egypt brought out of him, sweated out of him. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. And then finally Moses went back and he was now ready to deliver the children of Israel. Saul of Tarsus, he probably could talk about all the wonderful things that happened in his life, but again, when he got saved, there was no Peter there to meet him. There was no John to meet him. There was nobody else that had any kind of title in the church. No, there was just a man named Ananias, a just an average believer who laid hands on him. And when he did, his uh, Saul's sight came back to him because he'd been struck blind during that time. Let's start talking about what happened here uh, whenever Ananias met Saul of Tarsus. Go with me to chapter nine here of the book of Acts. And let's take a look at verse 11. All right, we talked about verse 10. Let's take a look at verse 11. It says in verse 11, and the Lord said to him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for a man named Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he prays. This is the vision that came to him. And whenever that word Saul of Tarsus came to him, I'm sure that man goosebumps begin to run up and down him. I mean, he literally probably got fear and panicky. And basically, Lord, do you know who this guy is? And you want me to go meet? with him. And what God was simply saying is, yes, I want it for your sake. I don't want it for his sake. I want it for every member of the church's sake to understand I'll use anybody. I don't care who they are to minister. And if you're the right one, then you're going to minister to this person. So again, in the city of Damascus, there was winding and curving streets, except for one street, which is called straight, and they named it straight. So it's interesting, Damascus, even they, all the streets go everywhere. There's one straight street, and this is the one that, uh, that Saul was on. He said, I want you to go there, and I want you to inquire in the house of a man named Judas for Saul of Tarsus. And when you find him, he'll be praying. Why was he praying? Because man, his whole life had been turned upside down. He he thought he was serving God and all the time he'd been persecuting God. He thought this Jesus was not from God, now finds out he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, and he's been persecuting all these people who are part of the body of Christ. And so now he's, oh, they're praying. He's trying to get everything, and he's trying to get everything straight, but it's gonna take a lifetime to get this thing straightened out. And while he's praying, he's also praying because he can't see. He's blind. And so Saul was still praying and had not heard any more from the Lord than what he heard on the road to Damascus. In verse 12, it goes on to say, the Lord still speaking to Ananias, he has seen in a vision. I gave him a vision and now Ananias, I'm giving you a vision, I'm gonna bring the two of you together. 
he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so he might receive his sight. Understand this, laying hands on people and seeing them healed is not just for the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's for all believers. The Great Commission is given to all believers that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and we can cast out devils. So in this vision, again, Verse 12, he's seen in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him so he might receive his sight. So in this vision, God prepared both the one who would be prayed for and the one who would be doing the praying. God is good to verify his will on both ends. This is found also with Peter and Cornelius back in chapter 10. Peter was on the housetop. Cornelius was in a house later on in the city of Caesarea. They were divided by a great distance and they both had a vision from the Lord. Peter saw a vision and in that vision, he saw that God was simply saying, I don't have I don't have anything against anybody. This he said, um, the, the law, which might to say this is clean, this one is not referring here to people. And I'm telling you here right now, if I cleanse something, don't you dare call it common. Don't you dare call it unclean. And Peter woke up out of that vision going, wow, man, and trying to conquer that thing. And all of a sudden they came and told him, there's some men down the door, they're knocking on the door. Well, he went down to meet them. They were from the house of Cornelius. And now Cornelius was asking Peter, come to my house. And Cornelius was a a Roman who lived in a Roman city, who was high up in the Roman authority, and Peter was going to go meet with him. If God hadn't given him that vision, he wouldn't have gone. Because you know what? Even after the day of Pentecost, when he saw and Peter ministered on the streets and saw people saved, signs, wonders, and miracles, he kind of went back to that Jewish attitude of, I'm a Jew, they're a Gentile. I'm above them, they're below me. And God wanted him to know there's no respecter of persons with God and basically slap that silly attitude out of you. So he then went and met with Cornelius and at the house of Cornelius, while he was preaching, everybody in the room got saved and the sight of the Holy Spirit fell on everybody and they were all knocked down and they began to speak with tongues and they began to magnify God. And this is what happened in the house of Cornelius. So much so that those who came with Peter on that day had been in the upper room and said, this is what happened in the upper room. And they said, the same experience that happened to us is now happening to them and they are Gentiles. God did this already with Peter and Cornelius with the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in Caesarea. That was in the previous chapter in chapter 10. In verse 13, it says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many disciples about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints and in Jerusalem. Paul had saturated, or literally Saul had saturated the city of Jerusalem with his evil toward believers. His reputation spread to many other cities and Ananias had also heard of the coming persecution to the saints at Damascus. And he's actually being sent to Damascus, to this house. And this was the place where Saul was being sent by the government of Jerusalem and by the government of the Romans to go and bring Christians and to kill them and drag them from the city of Damascus. I want you to understand something. This is how full of anger and drive that Saul had that he would even leave uh, the area of Israel and go to Damascus in Syria to drag Christians back. This is what kind of zeal he had. And basically the reason why God knocked him off that animal and saw him get saved was if it didn't happen, he was gonna have to kill him because you know what? Either Saul was gonna go or the church was gonna go and the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And literally Saul came to the crossroads. He had to make up his mind this one time. And now at the crossroads, he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So 
Again, we find out that Ananias said, I know about this man. I'm not sure I want to minister to him. And the Lord said, you're the right one to do it because of your attitude. You won't tell anybody. And because of his attitude, he won't be able to say by any famous person in the church, any notable person in the church that they ministered to me. Whenever they say it, they say Ananias. They'd probably go, who is that? That's exactly what God wanted. I trust this is ministering to you. I trust this is speaking to you because you might be an Ananias in the body of Christ. And this is all being taught. I'm teaching here from the book of Acts. I wrote a book on the book of Acts. And to me, the book of Acts is God's commendation, royal crying out to the average believer in the body of Christ that you have as much right authority to step into ministry. And whether your ministry is again as a dentist or working at Walmart or you're in Africa somewhere, it really doesn't matter. You're doing the will of God wherever you are. And those who stay by the stuff will be rewarded equally with those that go to battle. In heaven, the rewards will be handed out. God will not say it's something special because you were in this country, not so special because you worked at Walmart. You just do your ministry as a full-time minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll see you right after break. Here's halftime. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yanian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Well, welcome back. Let's close out this thing on Ananias as we're talking about him and find out again as we close out this particular broadcast to find out what God thinks of what you would call an ordinary believer. 
Ananias. Notice what Ananias said. When God spoke to Ananias and told him you're gonna lay hands and, the recover, and you'll see recovery of his sight to a man named Saul of Tarsus, man, he knew exactly who this was. And his probably first thought was, who am I, Lord? And on top of that, this guy, this guy could rise up and you cut my head off. That's what I've heard about him. Verse 13 says here in chapter nine of Acts, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many disciples about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And again, basically now I've heard he's on his way here. And now you're sending me here to stop him. You're sending me here to lay hands on him. And all God is simply saying to him is trust me, Ananias. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing to the man you're gonna lay hands on and I know who I'm calling to do it. It's you, Ananias, and I ask you to do it. Paul had saturated the city of Jerusalem, or we might say Saul. Saul has saturated the city of Jerusalem with his evil toward believers, and now his reputation is spread everywhere, and he's carrying out that reputation here to the city of Damascus. Ananias has also heard of the coming persecution to the saints at Damascus. Verse 14 goes on to say, and here at Damascus, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. Ananias's prayer is typical of many people that God speaks to. He immediately tells God of the circumstances. You ever done that? God says, Bob, I want you to go do this. You go, but, but Lord, this is going on. And God, did, God says, I didn't know that. Thanks for informing me. You think God speaks to you not knowing of the circumstances? We have our eyes on circumstances. God has his eyes on the will of God and the accomplishment of it. Apparently he trusts us. And on top of that, he's equipped us to go do it. But immediately we start telling him all the circumstances. Lord, I can't go do that. They have a power to bind me and carry me out. But the Lord simply tells him, trust me. Verse 15, the Lord said unto him, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel of me to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. God, notice who's mentioned first, Gentiles. The main area that Saul is going to be called to as Paul will be to the Gentile nations. And from the church later on that he will be at, he will go into all the world around there on three missionary journeys and carry the gospel everywhere. On those times, he'll be able to stand before kings and there'll be Roman kings and other kings. And also he'll be standing before the children of Israel as he goes and ministers in synagogues and all those places. But the first place he's gonna go is around the world. And so he'll begin in Antioch and the Antioch will be the main center focal point for the Gentile nations of the world as he carries the gospel out. But notice what the Lord says again in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go your way. He's a chosen vessel for me. I have my hand on him and I have my hand on you. He's going to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. God tells Ananias just to do what he was told to do. Notice it. He said, Saul will bear the Lord's names. It's interesting here. The Greek word bear is bastadzo, which means to lift up the hands and hold a flag or a standard. It says he's going to hold up a standard before the Gentiles, before kings, before the children of Israel. He's going to hold up that standard before all nations. God tells Ananias something people will not see for 15 years. Paul would carry the gospel to the Gentiles, to the Romans, and to the Greeks, and yet the one carrying this around that probably didn't tell anybody for 15 years was Ananias. One of the reasons God chose Ananias was because he could trust him. Think about this. If God were to call Peter, John, or somebody else, they would have come and laid hands on him and gone back and told everybody, you know who I laid hands on? And I'll tell you what, it would have been harder on Saul. 
It had been harder on the churches because they weren't sure what his motives were. But after 15 years, they had now heard how that Saul was now preaching the gospel. They had heard how he was laying hands on the sick. They were hearing how that God had given him revelation for the church age. And even though they were skeptical when Saul came back to them as Paul, to minister to them later than what happened was at that point, they could begin to trust him somewhat because of the reports they had heard. Next of all, he would secondly carry the gospel to kings, Nero and Agrippa, and finally carry redemption to the children of Israel, the religious leaders of Gentile capitals and Jerusalem as he went there and spoke in different synagogues, whether they were in Gentile countries, Gentile cities, or in Jerusalem itself. Verse 16 goes on to say, for I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, he pointed this out later on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 11, Saul went down and Paul went down the list of things that happened to him, the things that he suffered for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but growing in the grace of God, growing in the knowledge of God and growing in what God had called him to kept him on track for all that time. Verse 17 goes on to say here in chapter nine, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother Saul, oh, I love how he starts out. I now recognize you as a brother in the body of Christ. Listen to me, all the evil that Saul has done, all the thousands of Christians he has seen killed and stood over them. He even stood by as Stephen was stoned to death and held his coat while this was going on. And this is what Christians remember in that day. But what he said to him, the first thing was brother, he attached a member of the body of Christ title to Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to you in the way as you have come has sent me so you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He still can't see it. I wonder what his first thought was. He didn't say my name is Ananias. He just simply said, I've come and I've been called by God. He goes, I've never heard Peter's voice. Maybe this is Peter. I've never heard John's voice. Maybe this is John. Maybe, and when his eyes open up, he doesn't even know who he's seeing. Has to find out who he was. Might have been actually let down at that time because he's always been around positions of importance and people of importance. But you know what? Again, he was so impressed by this average believer that later on mentioned him in the book of Acts and became part of his testimony. We have one of the first recorded cases of the laying on of hands by someone who is not considered to be one of the fivefold ministry. Although we're told in the word of God this happened, this is a specific individual. Peter and John have laid hands on the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit. This was found back in chapter eight and verse 17. But until now, no layman had been used in this ministry. This ministry is available to all believers. Mark chapter 16 and verse 18, we are told there that the any believer can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And again, I love it. Ananias calls Saul his brother. And to understand that, man, this must have brought comfort to Paul because Paul's probably thinking, who is this going to, who is this person? And are they going to come and kill me? I mean, they have every right to. If this person's a dedicated Christian, they might have a, a knife in their hand. I don't know. They might have a sword pulled out already. I don't know because I can't see. But the very first word he said to him was, Brother Saul. Wow. That not only showed Saul the forgiving power of God, but it immediately confirmed that what God said to him on the road to Damascus was now starting and he was entering into a whole new phase of his life. Look at verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes a form of scales and he received his sight immediately and he arose and was baptized. So immediately he could see, he now looked and saw who was standing in front of him. Who is this guy? Ananias. He received his sight immediately. Then he rose up and here's what happened. He was baptized, probably Ananias baptized him. 
that one of the first things he did so he could understand this is your outward display that you have now died with Jesus, been buried with him, risen to newness of life, and now you're following him. That's what the baptism was for. Baptism didn't save him. No, he was saved when he received the Lord and he was knocked down on the road to Damascus. But now for the first thing he does is display to people standing around, I have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's talk about some lessons we can learn from Ananias. The Holy Spirit's gifts are available to every Christian. That's found in chapter two and verse 16 and verse 17 here in the book of Acts, but also 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse seven, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every believer to profit with all. It's given to you for somebody else's profit. And even if you feel like you're a nobody and the person you're ministering to is some kind of special somebody, then come back to it again. We are all one in the body of Christ. And here we don't have anything of Ananias telling himself, well, Saul, even though you're not, you just accepted Jesus. I've been in the time. I've been a Christian for a long time. No, there was no bragging on either side. Next of all, the lesson we learned from Ananias is this. The Holy Spirit can guide and lead any believer to help or to correct another believer. Again, I've had this happen in church where people have come and told me things that they've seen from the sermon. And I some come, sometimes the first thing I do is like this and say, well, you're not a so-and-so or a brother so-and-so or some minister or a pat. No, they're just a member of the body of Christ, a member of the church. But you know what? God can speak to them. He can give them visions and signs and wonders, just like he prophesied in the Old Testament. And just like he's prophesied in the new. Point number three is this. Ananias might have been the only one who would go to see Saul. Other ministers would not trust Saul or other ministers would stand in fear of him. So Ananias must have been the only one that could go to him and again, that God could trust. Again, I've told you here in these verses of scripture, we're not told anywhere that Ananias told anybody. It was Saul that told later and mentioned Ananias. And you know what? Ananias was a popular name. I imagine when Saul even mentioned Ananias and it came back, I'm certain sure people might've come up to Ananias and said, he said, there's a man named Ananias. I know it's a popular name, but was that you? I don't know what Ananias told them. It didn't really matter what he told him. It's just that for 15 years, he kept his mouth shut and didn't tell anybody what had happened there on the road to Damascus or coming into the city of Damascus and laying hands on Saul. Point number four is this, ministers, cannot receive correction or be open to hear the Holy Spirit's leading only from other ministers. There's been times that I've heard from people only accept correction, only accept insight from other ministers. That is stupid. We're all ministers in the body of Christ and anybody such as Ananias here can come and offer you things and you need to be open to them, not closed. I wanna stay open at all times. And I can tell you this, there's certain things that by now I'm just about closed on those subjects because I have studied them for years. People have come and talked to me and disagreed with me. And the more I explain to them, the clearer I see it. But you know what? I have to look at my life also and realize at this age, I still need to be open. It's possible I can be wrong on things and it's very probable I'm still wrong on things. And listen, I don't necessarily want to wait till I get to heaven for Jesus to straighten me out. I just soon be able to listen to people here. Next of all, point number five, Ananias was not afraid to confront Saul, even though he knew of his history against the church. Just be obedient to God. 
Point number six, Saul was not afraid to receive guidance from Ananias, though he was an unknown person to him and unknown to most others. Again, what Saul heard was not the voice of Ananias. He heard the voice of God. And finally, the last point, God led Ananias by a vision, just as Peter had received a vision on the housetop and Paul would later receive a vision at Troas. Again, it comes back to it. Are you just an average believer? Not to God, maybe to other people or to yourself. Kick that word out. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too, and you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.